0: Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. For more information, go to www.encounterccb.org.
1: So here's Psalm 19, verses 1 through 11. It talks about God's general re- revelation through creation and His special revelation through His Word, which is exactly what Pastor Mike is going to preach about this morning. So if you have a Bible, read with me Psalm 19. Verses 1 through 11. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their their voices go out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man it runs its course with joy. From the rising, Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. And the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring altogether. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey are the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warmed, warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Amen. Let's ask God's blessing upon his word this morning, and on Pastor Mike as he comes to deliver it to us today. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that we have the opportunity to worship you, and uh, we know that you are good, and we have lived in the goodness of God. We thank you for your general revelation through creation. The sky does indeed proclaim your power and glory and your handiwork, and your word reveals your special plan for humanity and for us in particular, telling us about who Jesus is and what he came to do. So we pray your blessing upon this word this morning, that your Holy Spirit who inspired it would illuminate it to our hearts today. Please fill Pastor Mike with your presence and power through the Holy Spirit, So that he can deliver your word, that we might be lifted up and strengthened. We pray these things, God, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Dave. Thank you, Glenn, for leading us. And welcome and good morning.
0: Uh, If you are new, my name is Pastor Mike. It is my pleasure and blessing to serve you uh, this morning. Uh, The vision for 2020 this year for Encounter is to go deeper, closer, and wider. We want to go deeper in our faith and our understanding about God and Scripture. Uh, We want to grow closer together as a community, and so we are meeting uh, for the first time as community groups via Zoom uh, starting tonight. Uh, Love you guys to uh, uh, get connected there. And then we want to reach wider. We want to reach more people with the love and the truth of Jesus Christ. And the one way we wanted to go deeper was to bring you the essentials of the faith. And so we started our sermon series called What We Believe last week. And, um, and, and we're going to be teaching you the essential truths of the Christian faith. And then, and then we're going to land heavy on why that really matters to us in our day and age. Last week, we, we talked about what we believe about God. And we learned that God is for us the highest ideal and the greatest example. And then we, and if we have a faulty view of God, uh, we're gonna suffer in every way because God says in his word that we are made in his image and in his likeness. And so if we don't know who God is, we won't even know who we are and how we are to operate. And so we learn that God is fundamentally love. And so what does that look like? And he's also in community with one another. Though he's one God, he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so they're in community with one another. And so we, are, uh, being made in the image of likeness of God, are that too, that we need to be a loving community. And so we're encouraging you guys to connect in community with us uh, tonight. Uh, these truths are so essential uh, because of a correct understanding of God. Uh, we need to know who He is uh, before we know who, what He does. And so today we're going to be talking about what he does do. And the first thing that he does is he reveals himself to us. We're going to be talking about the topic of revelation, as Pastor Dave said. Not the book of Revelation. We're not going to get that confused. We're actually talking about how the God of the Bible is also a God who speaks. He is a God who communicates with his creation to reveal himself uh, as, as he is. So the sermon today is called What We Believe About Revelation. Well, we live in a world that is, uh, like I said last week, that is driven by this obsession uh, to communicate. Uh, we, we have cell phones, to emails, to blogs, to social media, to websites, to text messages. We, we, we have the television, we have radio, we have advertising, we have marketing, all aimed to communicate, right? There, there's countless ways that people want to communicate and to be communicated to. Uh, This is, this this thirst for communication and relationship comes out of the fact that we are made in the image and likeness of God. It really begins with the fact that we are, God, we are like God in the sense that we are made for community and made for relationships. The Trinitarian God of the Bible is a community, Father, Son and spirit. and in God and with God, and in His very essence and nature, he, they communicate with one another. The Father speaks with the Son, the Son speaks with the spirit, and, and this is a community where they speak to one another. and as a result of that, as a result of being made in the image and likeness of God. We have a God who hears us and speaks to us. And so he speaks to us, and we talk back to him, and and we call that prayer, right? We know that. And then we speak to one another as a community. Uh, We build relationships around communication and speech. Uh, All of this is connected to the doctrine of Revelation, the fact that God speaks. We're going to start by defining. And if you're following along with their notes, the notes are up on the website right now. We, um, I'm also sending you links every week via Planning Center. So if you're not on Planning Center and your email is not on there, please contact Jessica uh, at the office and we'll get you on Planning Center. But the links to the notes are there. The notes are in uh, on the website. So let's start by defining Revelation. Revelation is God's means by which he has chosen To reveal himself. One of the first things that we see in the opening pages of Genesis that we opened up last week is that no less than 10 times God says, God said. That's what it says, God said. So God spoke. Uh, The the God of the Bible is a God who speaks, and he communicates to, to, to those whom he has created. You see, the distance between us and God is very great, and unless God practices uh, self-disclosure, like speaking to us, revealing to us who he is and what he has done through, through Jesus Christ, we will not know. We would be left with speculation. Uh, let me define speculation for you in this, in this uh, context. Speculation is the human effort to guess what God is like or what God wants us to believe or how God wants us to behave. Speculation includes philosophy, it, it, it includes spiritual, spirituality, talked about that a lot last, last week, it, 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 and religion, and, and then various kinds of social science. Uh, not all of these things are necessarily bad in and of themselves, but, but it is all under the umbrella of speculation, which, which are human efforts to try to venture a guess as to what God is and what he is like. Revelation, on the other hand, is so much more reliable uh, and helpful because Revelation isn't guessing. It's actually God speaking and revealing himself. And so we get to hear from God speaking to us, and then he tells us who he is. He tells us what he desires. He tells us how to have a relationship with him, and he also speaks to us and invites us to speak to him in prayer. The Bible has two broad and general uh, uh, categories to revelation, as, as Pastor Dave said in, the, in, in his opening, in opening up the Scripture. And it is, the first one is general revelation, and the second one is special revelation. And so let me define general revelation. <clears throat> general revelation is God's means by which he has chosen to reveal himself generally to all people in all times, in all places, in all cultures, and in all circumstances. That's a mouthful, right? In all places, in all people, in all times, in all places, in all cultures, and in all circumstances. And it is, in, it is, it is general in that though it does, not, it does reveal a lot about God, it doesn't reveal anything really specific about God. You see? it's just a general revelation of God it doesn't have specific names of God it doesn't it doesn't give you the like if you look at creation it doesn't say that, yeah Jesus Christ revealed you know created this it doesn't tell us specifically what God has done for example Jesus dying on the cross in place for our sins it doesn't reveal those especially things that that God reveals in other places and uh, and so there's at least three places in the Bible that, that, that speaks about general revelation, and, and we'll talk about those three. So if you're following along with your notes, the first one is this, is that we believe that God reveals himself generally to all people everywhere in and through creation. In and through creation, that's your word. Romans 1 puts it this way. He says, what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. And so he, it it goes on to say, so they are not without excuse, right? Like creation reveals God. In our opening scriptures today, we said the heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens tell us something about a creator. Because general revelation includes creation, and God is our creator. Creation should inform us about the character of God. Like the intelligent design argument says that there must be some order to this world, some, some orderly, intelligent way. And, and so it reveals something about an intelligent designer. So creation reveals, like, God is supremely intelligent. Intelligent. If you look at creation, creation reveals that God is powerful. And not only does he create, he also rules over creation. And so so that should give us a sense of his power. Uh, God must be beautiful because because creation reflects something of his glory. The heavens, God, declares your glory. Have you looked at the stars? On a clear night, you can't see it now because of the smoke in the air in in Southern California, but, but on a clear night... You can see the stars in the sky. And and if you're not awed by that, you should be. The heavens declare the glory of God. I was thinking about this personally. And and when we get sick or we we hurt ourselves, um, it reveals something about God's character. When we understand that God has made us, he's created us, uh, given us bodies that can actually heal. It says something about God. I love it when the psalmist says this. He says, I praise you. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. When we're looking, when we look at all the attention to detail and what God has gone through to form our bodies and, and the systems, uh, we see something about the loving care of God that we could even he- that, that our bodies can heal ourselves. Think about it: just the complexity of the ear to hear and the eye to see and the mind to think and the hands to touch. It's all uh, it's all it's all revelation of, of a creator. Generally speaking, and, 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 and that a good God has made us for pleasure and life and joy and for experience. This is really cool stuff. And when we get sick, it, the, the fact that we have bodies that heal uh, themselves indicates to us that God is loving. It reveals that, uh, that God is merciful and that he cares about us. He is even concerned about our health and our well-being. It's it's, it's mind-blowing. But all of this is under the umbrella of general revelation regarding creation. Another way we see God revealing himself in the category of general revelation is this, is that we believe God reveals himself generally to all people everywhere in and through providence. In and through providence. God not only makes the world, but he continues to rule over it. Uh, Christianity says that God is most sovereign over creation and he works in creation through providence. One example comes from Acts 14. Got that up. It says, uh, do not not leave without a a witness, And and this is the key text, for he did good by giving you the rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. God's providential love, care, and provision reveals something about the goodness of God. The fact that that we have seasons reveals something that that God must love us and care about us because things can grow like water falls from the sky and enables crops to grow, to feed ourselves and to continue life here on earth. In all of those ways, through his providence, he continued ongoing loving provision and oversight of the people in this world. Jesus said it like this. He said, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends the rain on the just and the unjust. He does this for all people. God's constant provision reveals his goodness toward all people, even non-Christians. And so, and, 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 and so this general revelation includes not only God creating the world, but, but his, he's providentially ruling over it and taking care of his creation. He's not absent. He's here. He's the one that makes the water fall and the crops to grow. And lastly, number three, we believe that God reveals himself generally to all people everywhere in and through the conscience, in and through the conscience. God has implanted a conscience in every person that, he, that is made in his image and likeness. This separates us from the animal kingdom. There's, have you ever watched like the Discovery Channel when the lion goes after the weakest uh, uh, in the pack, right, and takes it down? That, 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 that lion is not sorrowful for doing that the strong survive in the animal kingdom but humans are made in the image and likeness of god and its foundation is love and in that uh, god implants in every person made in his image a conscience you see whereas all of the other general revelations are external witness the conscience is this internal witness that reveals something about the goodness and the holiness and the justice of god Because God wants us to love one another, not devour one another. It's not the strong survive. Paul puts it this way regarding the conscience. Listen to this. For when Gentiles, who do not have the law, speaking of uh, the the Old Testament, by, by nature they do what the law requires. They are a law unto themselves, even though they do not have the law. Again, another reference to the Bible. They show that the, that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. You see what Paul is saying here, that every human being, whether you're a Christian or not, does experience general revelation through the inward conviction of the conscience that God has implanted in every human heart. Anyone who has ever done something uh, innately wrong and knows that it's innately wrong, it's because you have a conscience. Anyone that has done wrong and you feel badly about it, it's because God has given you a conscience. Anyone who has ever apologized for something that they've done, it's because you have a conscience. Anyone who has ever appealed to a greater moral standard, saying something like, this isn't fair, what about the injustices in our world? It's because you have a conscience. all of which is appealing to, to the general revelation that God gives us, the inward belief that, that things are right and certain things are wrong. And, and that's because God has made every human being in his image and likeness with a sense of justice and, and, and rightness. That's why even non-Christians appeal to their conscience. It's like this universal law that God has implanted in every human being. And so we don't take advantage of the poor. We know it's wrong to rape, murder, lie, and steal. Uh, God has made us with his conscience. Even though we are sinful, something in us knows that certain things are right and certain things are wrong. We tend to appeal to the conscience more when we're sinned against, right? We, we tend to do that. And we tend to lessen, because of our sin, we tend to lessen the effects of the sins that we commit. But deep down inside, because God is good and loving and just, he's given you a conscience. General revelation is seen in creation, and it reflects something about the goodness of God. And that's why this matters. It includes providence, like God ruling over and reigning over us. It, it includes this conscience implanted in every human being so that we can love one another well. And this matters because we can get so distracted by the sin and the brokenness and the injustices in the world that we forget that God is providentially working And there are people that he has created in this world that are good and loving. And we can't forget that. That has to be our foundation. That's why this is an essential truth. We have to believe that God is good and he is doing good in and through his people. And even in and through non-Christians. Can you believe that? Like we're not the only people in the world doing good. Isn't that great? Because we're not doing good all the time. And it's important because the church needs to be the one who are able to be. The church needs to be the one who is declaring the goodness of God, just as we just saying. The church needs to be the one in any circumstances, whether you're in a pandemic, whether you're in a a, a huge injustice, whether you are locked up in prison unjustly. uh, The church needs to be saying, in spite of all of this, God is good. All the time, God is good, And, and I can prove it to you through general revelation. In addition to this, like some people receive what theologians call special revelation, and let me define that for you. Special revelation is God's means by which he has chosen to reveal himself, his son, his spirit, his word, and his plan of redemption, supernaturally, to Christians. Now again, this is going to be a controversial statement right here, but, but we're not a void of controversy here. Um, God reveals himself, who he is, the grander things that he has done, and and, and in a more clearer way than generally to everybody, but specifically, and he reveals himself more specific in a special way, but not to everyone. Um, this special revelation is, um, it is for Christians. (laughs) It is for an individual group, a limited number of people, um, and, and here's how God does that. We, we could wrestle with that, and I'd love to wrestle with that with you guys because it is controversial, but, but God does reveal himself and his plan and his son and his Holy Spirit in, in, in several different ways. Let me give you a couple examples. Number four, we believe that God reveals himself specially through the miraculous. For example, surrounding Jesus' birth, um, his father Joseph had a prophetic dream. It was a very special form of revelation. I mean God God came and and sent an angel to to spoke to, to Joseph in a dream telling him not to divorce his wife Mary the mother of Jesus because she had not been uh, unfaithful and she was conceiving uh, the Lord Jesus. Now listen, if, if your fiance became pregnant, um, the first thing that you would do is divorce her quietly. That's what that's what Joseph wanted to do. Because it was a shame and he knew that that, that that wasn't his child. But God came to Joseph and said, listen, don't, don't, don't worry about this. I'm doing something miraculous here. Your, your wife is going to bear the Son of God, and she will conceive from the Holy Spirit. Another example is Mary herself. Um, surrounding the time of Jesus' birth, the angel, the angel Gabriel came and, 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 and told her that she would become pregnant by a miracle. Can you imagine she's 13, 14 years old and all of a sudden conceiving a child? You need some special revelation to handle that one. You need, some, you need God's angel to come down and go, it's going to be okay. And so God reveals himself through the miraculous. Another example of special revelation, and, and the, which is an essential truth of the doctrine is this, is that we believe that God reveals himself, especially through Jesus Christ that Jesus is the Son of God, that he, he, etern- he eternally is God, but He came into human history. We talked about this last week uh, that, that in John 1, where the Word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, or the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And, and then verse 14 says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is special revelation. Not everybody believes this. Not everybody believes that Jesus is the Son of God, but Christians do. God has given us eyes to see Jesus for who he is. And so God reveals himself in a special way as he speaks through the person, the work, the life, and the ministry of Jesus. And so this is, Jesus is, is God's way of communicating to human beings. In Hebrews 1, it says this. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke through, through the fathers by prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, He's communicating through his son, whom he has appointed as an heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. <clears throat> Jesus is God's special revelation of himself. Jesus says elsewhere uh, that if you have seen me, if, you, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Colossians says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. That God is invisible in spirit, but Jesus, in Jesus, God reveals Himself by entering into human history, humbly humbly taking on the form of man, the God-Man Jesus Christ. Another example of special revelation is this: is that we believe that God reveals Himself especially and primarily through Scripture. We are a Bible-believing church, special and, and. Uh, you know special revelation does include the miraculous it absolutely includes jesus and the bible which records the life of jesus we're going to spend the majority of our time here uh, in your notes because because god does reveal himself primarily through his word and i want to encourage you that if you don't have a bible you need to get a bible if you're not reading your bible you're not going to know much about the the god of the bible the bible says so faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of christ The depth of your faith will be determined by the time you spend in this. Your understanding of Jesus will be determined by by the time you spend reading about him. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is breathed out by God. This means that God literally and supernaturally worked through the human authors to speak to us. That these scriptures are inspired. And so that being said, special revelation is really and ultimately about the teaching of scriptures. That's why we are heavy Bible teachers here. The Bible itself is a collection of sacred writings. We call it holy because it is sacred and it is inspired. This is not just a book. This is alive and living and breathing. All Scripture is breathed out by God and inspired by God. In this book, it has, it has 66 books. It includes 39 Old Testament, 27 New Testament. It is written uh, uh, over a course of 1,500 years by 40 authors, and we know most of them. The Old Testament and the New Testament, the the Old Testament leads up to the New Testament, and that that is the fulfillment of Jesus' coming. And some of the most important parts of the Old Testament foreshadows Jesus' coming. Although the Old Testament, we, we read prophecies and expectations. All throughout the Old Testament, we read prophecies and expectations and anticipations of the coming Jesus. We see examples of all of this. The New Testament Gospels are all about the fulfillment of the Old It's all about this culmination of Jesus coming to save the world. And then then we have the epistles, uh, uh, Paul's letters, and that that shows us the mission of the church moving forward. And and it shows us and gives us examples of how to operate as a church. It shows us how to make disciples, which is Jesus' last call to the church before he ascended, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And behold, I'll be with you always to the end of the age through his spirit. The Bible says in Proverbs 30, it says that every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and, and, and you be found a liar. So, what he's saying here in this verse is that God's word is sufficient. We're told it's also effective too. Look at Isaiah. What Isaiah? God spoke through the prophet Isaiah, and God said this. He says, "My word that I sent forth will not return me void. To me void, it will accomplish exactly what I intended it to accomplish." And so this tells us that God's word is effective. It does, we don't need to add to it. It's going to be oh, it's going to be enough to accomplish everything that God has called us to do as a humanity, as, hum- as humans, living our lives for Him. We're also told in Psalm 19 the instruction of the Lord is perfect in our opening scriptures right uh, renewing one's life the testimony of the Lord is trustworthy making the inexperienced wise the precepts of the Lord are right making the heart glad the command of the Lord is radiant making his making his eyes lift light up and the fear of the Lord is pure enduring forever and the ordinances God's word are reliable And altogether righteous. He's saying God's word's perfect. We don't need to add to it. It's perfect. We're not perfect. (laughs) The world is not perfect. And so we have to watch who's interpreting the word too, because we are sinful beings, but God's word is perfect. So in that, it also guides us. In Psalm 19, it says, the word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. The scriptures are a light unto our past, and it it helps guide us to do God's will according to him and his way and according to his word. It makes us more like Jesus. In Jesus' high priestly prayer in John 17, he's, he's praying to God, asking him to do this. He says, sanctify them, us, in the truth. Your word is truth. The scriptures are also to be obeyed. Inspired by the the Spirit, the brother of James wrote this, do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. And then the author of Hebrews says, for for the Word of God is living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of the spirit, of joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of your heart. It also makes for cool tattoos. I have one right here. Hebrews 4.12. You see, the Bible is God's primary way by which he speaks to us. And there are many people who, who, who would love to hear from God and, and who would love for God to communicate with them. And I can't tell you how many times that people walk out of this church or walk into my office and say, you know what, God is just, I don't believe it. I, I haven't heard from God ever. I pray, and he doesn't answer me. I'm like, are you, are you listening to his voice? This is his primary way that he, is, that he speaks to his church. It is in and through his word. Every time we open the Bible, God, in fact, does speak to us. Every time I have shared a, a, a scripture with you today, God has been speaking to you. These are inspired words that God wrote through human authors for you and I because God wants to communicate with us especially so that we will know what he is like. We will know what he's called us to do and how we are to respond in this world. And we need to test the scriptures. Look at what it says in Acts 17. It says, Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the Scriptures daily to see if these things were so. These Jews were called Bereans. And they took everything that they were taught and they examined them by Scripture. They just didn't trust the author, and they just didn't trust the preacher. How do you know if I am telling the truth? I tell you, if I'm not just reading straight out of the Bible, I don't know that I'm always telling the truth. I know the Bible's true. But are you testing everything that I'm saying, everything that I'm teaching you? Are, you? are you examining the scriptures to see that if it's true or not, or you just trust in me? Be a Berean. Dig into your word. Let, correct me because I'm a fallible being. I'm a sinful being. You need to correct me if I'm wrong. I put people around me. I have elders around me that do correct me when I'm wrong. And you need to do the same. You need people in community loving you, caring for you, sharing the truth with you, encouraging you. The Bereans tested everything by Scripture, making sure that everything that they were learning was biblical. Peter was a leader of the disciples. He, he was appointed by Jesus to lead the church, and after his resurrection and ascension, he said this. He says, Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied, he's speaking about the prophets in the Old Testament, about the grace that was to be yours, searched and inquired carefully, inquired what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and, and, and the subsequent glories. So, so he's saying that the Old Testament prophets were always examining like when it was going to be, like when Christ was going to come. That's, that was their whole purpose, like when is Jesus, when is the grace of God going to come? He goes on and says, It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that they have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things to which angels long to look. See, here Peter is saying these the Old Testament prophets, man, they, they just long to, hear, to, to know this. That's all they did is they examined the Scriptures and examined the world. I think it was uh, C.S. Lewis who said, you need to have a Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other and let the Bible speak to the culture. And this is what these Old Testament prophets did. He says that they fulfilled, that they, that, that, that they looked long for grace. And he says that that was fulfilled in Jesus when he came, when he lived, when he died in him, when he rose, we received that grace. And he's saying that we are recipients of that grace. We don't have to look for that anymore because we have it. It's revealed to us in the scriptures. And now the Holy Spirit empowers and inspires the New Testament apostles to proclaim the same message about salvation, that grace alone, through Christ alone, is here. And it's here. This is something that we don't have, that angels long to look for, but we don't have to look anymore. It's here. Jesus has came. And this is an amazing truth because he, he has come, he still comes, and we get to, we get to live in the, in, the, in the history of grace right now, in the, in the present grace that is offered by Jesus. And we point back to the cross the God who becomes a man. And now we have the privilege to be in that position in history. And we understand that Jesus is God and we are saved by grace through him. The same thing that the angels for generations longed to see. It's such a beautiful text in in Peter's epistle. Again, the New Testament is written by inspiration, by the enabling of God through the Holy Spirit, just as the Old Testament was. And Jesus himself predicted this. Listen to what he says. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father has sent in my name, will teach you all the things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. He will take what is mine and declare it to you. And this is how we get our New Testament that that God acts, the Holy Spirit speaks through uh, these uh, uh, apostles, and we have the New Testament. The Holy Spirit would remind them of everything that they heard and saw and experienced. And the Holy Spirit would enable them to faithfully record the writings, the New Testament, and tell the story without error about the person and the work of Jesus. And this leads me to number seven. We believe that the Bible is God's word to us. It is the highest source of truth for the Christian beliefs and living. And because it is inspired by God, it is the truth without any mixture of air. That's super important. We believe that the word is infallible, that it is without error. And so why does this matter? Why are these uh, truths so essential? Well, Timothy helps answer, us, answer that question. He says, but as for you, continue what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So the first thing that why this matters is because because salvation is found in the scriptures. (laughs) Like this is the mission of the church is to seek and to save the lost. And so this leads me to number eight. It says, we believe that the scriptures make people wise for salvation. That is the word of God reveals salvation through faith in Jesus in his word. This is where it's found. The good news about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is revealed throughout Scripture. And you cannot effectively proclaim Jesus and salvation without teaching the Jesus of the Bible. And this is super important because people think that they can, they, they can be saved because they're good people. That, that they, they have less sin and, and more goodness in them. No, the truth is, is that if you don't have a relationship with the Jesus of the Bible, then you're not saved. That you're not saved. It, it reveals Jesus. I love what Paul wrote to to the church of Corinth. He says, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Christ Jesus and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling, and my speech and my message were, were, in, were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit of, and, and of the power, so that your faith might not, might not rest in the wisdom of who? Men, but in the power of God. You see, you don't need some winsome preacher up here tickling your ears, you need Jesus being preached from the pulpit. You need to, to, to share Jesus with your neighbor. Your fancy words are not going to save people, Paul's saying. He's saying you don't have the right words. You, the words you need are contained in your Bible, and, and, it, and it talks about Jesus, who says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have an eternal life. For God did not come into the world to condemn the world, but he came to save the world because the world was condemned already without him. That's the word of God. Without the word of God, people don't get saved. This is why the apostle Paul wrote, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. The power of the good news of Jesus' coming, his life, death, and resurrection is told in Scripture. Scripture. When we proclaim Jesus and and, and, and share Scripture with people, it has the power to save everyone who believes. That is good news. That you don't have to come up with any winsome words. That you don't have to have the right antidote. You have the Scriptures. Share the Scriptures. Share the Jesus of the Bible. Through the proclamation of Jesus' his words and work, uh, it has the power to save everyone who believes. Let's go back to 2 Timothy again. It says, All Scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God and the woman of God may be complete for every good work. This is, see, Scripture is more than just salvation. It's also living. It's, it's, a, it's a word of God that God is saying, hey, this is profitable, this is super helpful for you. It's useful. It's, it's not useful in the sense that, like a phone book, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, they, you know, the phone book is pretty helpful. Uh, uh, <clears throat> no, it, it's useful in the sense that, that it can transform your life. It's meant to guide you and lead you and, 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 and to show you how you can have a true relationship with Jesus and how you can have relationships with one another. God speaks through the Scripture, and he says that all Scriptures read that by God, and it's profitable for teaching and for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. You see, Scripture speaks into all areas of our lives. Scripture speaks into sexuality. It speaks into work. It speaks into worship. It speaks into our friendships. It speaks into our marriages. It speaks into our parenting. It speaks into our stewardship. All of this is contained in the Word of God. We're made in his image and likeness, and so if you want to be a generous person, look to Jesus. He was the most, look to God. John three sixteen. God gave. <laughs> He's a generous God, but God speaks to us, and, and so this leads us to number nine in your notes. We believe that there is no part of life that does not need Scripture because it is how God speaks into your life practically about the things that really matter because he loves you, and he wants to help. Now, dare I say, there's some people that won't pick up this Bible because they're afraid that, that it will change their life. And frankly, you just kind of like what you're doing right now. But I, I, would, I would challenge you to say, are you living uh, a, a biblical life? Are you living a life that, that when you parallel this scripture, you go, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, I'm loving God and loving others. And some of you are, 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 are very conscious about wanting to live your happiest life now, and you're doing pretty well at it. And, and, and you're maybe you're saying, you know, if I pick this up, it might change things. And and that's, and I don't want things to change. Well, we go back to, to telling you this, is that God is good and he loves you. And he's not going to ask you to do anything that is going to make you unhappy. I've never heard say, anybody say that, man... I started, I, re, I repented of my sin and I started following Jesus and doing what he said and I hated it. <laughs> Nobody's ever said that ever. Nobody's ever said that ever. But when you're focused on you, the Bible might very well call you to live differently. But he, but he does that because he loves you. The last point I want to make today is this, that it's important to know that uh, scripture is the highest authority but it's not our only authority. It's not our only authority. Like scripture, for example, does not tell you how to perform an open heart surgery. right? It doesn't tell you how to repair a carburetor. Go to YouTube for that. I did that for my motorcycle, it worked pretty well. Uh, It doesn't doesn't tell you how to turn a double play. Like We learn that from, uh, from things outside of the Bible. We can go to science, we can go to medicine, we can go to sociology, we can go to psychology, we can go to history. Uh, we can go to all kinds of disciplines to learn, and we should. Um, and that is all a result of, that, that all falls under the, 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 the general revelation umbrella. The sciences, the social sciences, the other means by learning, uh, all fall under uh, the, the umbrella of God's image bearers working through general revelation. So if you want to go and, and become a doctor, that's good. If you want to read a philosopher, that's good. If you want to study medicine, science, whatever, that's, that's perfectly good. That's enjoying general revelation at its finest. And, and, and then testing general revelation by special revelation is the key. Be a Berean. This leads me to number 10, the last one. We believe that whatever we learn in life needs to be examined to see that, that it agrees with Scripture. If it doesn't disagree with Scripture, then we have freedom. Does that make sense? So we need to examine the things. So, so like, and listen, this is super important because, because we've experienced this as a church. We've experienced this as a culture. Far too many of our kids are, are raised in the church and they've fallen away the minute that they walk out of the church and onto a college campus. And that's in part to biblical illiteracy. That's because they don't read their Bible. And we haven't, and we've done a poor job, I think at, at times, by, by not teaching the Bible to our kids. I mean, if you want to become a Christian doctor, that's awesome. We need more. You can go to med school and you can say, I want to, I want to study medicine and I want to know, but I'm going to test everything I'm learning by Scripture. And so if you go into a, a med school and they start teaching you that, that there is no God, you're not made in the image and likeness of God, uh, you, you can't be healed by prayer, then I'm going to say, yeah, you're wrong. And we're just going to have to agree to disagree. But far too many kids and people, go, or kids, young adults, go to these colleges, and they, they are enamored by these winsome uh, professors that that they've also wrote their own books, and then those books become a, th- a higher authority, because this book has never become relevant, or taken very seriously. The point here that I'm trying to make is this: is that we need to test everything by Scripture, and this becomes the highest authority. It's not the only authority but it becomes the highest authority. And so when your med school says that, that God doesn't heal through prayer, you can say, that okay, you could believe that, but I don't. And you can hold fast, steadfast on the foundation of God who does heal. We have created for you, and it's on our website, I also sent you guys a link to a 50-day reading plan, Bible reading plan, Uh, It's right here and it's on the front page of the website if you scroll all the way down you click it And it'll pop right up and you can print that out. We want you guys reading your Bible if you don't have a Bible uh, Get one. Uh, We want you to go buy one right now Um, If you can't afford a Bible, we have plenty here that we would love to give you a Bible Um, God has graced the world with many great Bibles We teach out of the English Standard Version, which is a literal translation Um, There's also other literal translations that I like this one currently is the Christian standard Bible It's a pretty new version and I like it Um, And uh, and I also read through the the NIV which is the new international version which is a paraphrase It's uh, not word for word, but it's thought for thought and it is just much easier to read So if you're new to your Bible grab an NIV. It's a great one. It's a great Bible to start when I started reading my Bible I, just talked, I was just talking about this with Pastor Dave. When I really started getting deep into my Bible, um, uh, I was convicted. I, I believe that God revealed himself to me generally in 2001, but God revealed himself and his son Jesus to me especially right around 2003, 4, or maybe five. I can't even remember. Uh, I, it was when I was convicted that I was a sinner, that, that, uh, that God was holy and righteous and good, um, that... Uh, that Jesus was God who became a man who lived without sin and he died on a cross in place for my sins. I was convicted that Jesus rose from the dead, proving that he has the power over Satan's sin and death and he has the power to save. I gave my life to Jesus along with my family. We all were baptized uh, at Oasis. God changed my heart and he gave me new desires. He has renewed my mind and gave me a love for scripture um, and he wants the same thing for you. He wants the absolute same thing for you. He wants you to live a biblical life. He wants you to live as, and know Jesus Christ. He wants you to live and know his purposes for you here on earth. Um, it's, it's, it's not coming to the Bible for information. We say this a lot here it's coming for transformation. We're not just learning a bunch of facts. We're learning uh, how to be a totally new person, a a person who who lives with, for, and by, and through the Son, Jesus Christ, who is the Word of God, who, who took on flesh and dwelt among us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your Scripture. We thank you that you are loving, that you are good and that you care about us, that you're merciful, and that you're just. We thank you, God, that you speak to us, that you are a God who speaks to us. I thank you for the general revelation, and we, we enjoy you, and we get to enjoy your creation, and, and, and God, we thank you especially for special revelation, that you have told us who you are, and you've shown us through Christ how sin can be taken away and a relationship can be restored. God, it is my prayer that that we would humbly come to your word, not just for information, but for transformation. Not so that we can argue well, but so that we can live a biblical life. And I pray that we would read the scriptures, that we would memorize them, that we would study them and meditate them and hear from you, Lord, and, and that we would learn to love the scriptures and obey you, God. Ultimately, it's how you speak to us. And so I pray that every person in the hearing of my words will get a Bible and begin to read it. Please give us ears to hear and hearts to receive your word and minds to trust you in your truth. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. For more information, go to www.encounterccb.org.